All right, let's go ahead and get this thing moving, bro. All right, let's do it. Welcome to the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show infused with hip-hop. I am Wood. Made daily. With organic, farm-to-table, localized, neuralized, sterilized, scotch-guarded for 2020 repellent, available online, shipped via Amazon, not available on Sundays, but now... Available on thebeastradio.com. Broken pencil logic. You stay classy, internet. I'm Suave Burgundy. Shouts out to thebeastradio.com, making it to one year old today. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which oh, is uh, July 1st. Yeah, my lord. Yeah, my lord. I said, yeah, my lord. Yeah, my lord. 20 and 21. Hey, man. Um, before we get to moving into the show, we haven't done this in a long time. Courtesy of AEW Dynamite, a Brandalorian, this time from Conan the Barbarium. Okay, this is a just a gentleman's discussion here, Tully. Well, you know, Tony, the last time I saw this guy, he was wanting to interfere in a situation in a bar room. But because of this legend status that you have, Conan, it is my pleasure to let you go first. So we're playing mind games right off the bat. See, I heard that you like to impose your will on people. You like to play mind games, but I won't be intimidated. Proud and powerful won't be intimidated. They've been stabbed, shot, kidnapped, strangled, and left for dead, and we're still here because that's how we're built. Let me tell you something, FTR tried to say that they had the same upbringing as proud and powerful. I know you guys are from North Carolina where the men are men and the sheep are scared, but let me explain something to you. It's not the same thing tipping over cows and getting into bar fights and barn fights and the vegan beef that you might have out there in the woods as trying Zane. to survive on the streets of New York City between racial profiling and you have gang members hunting you down every day and that men of color are incarcerated at five times the rate of their white brethren. Knowledge. Here's another thing. Listen You're to the crowd go silent. To FTR. I'm their father, okay? We have a bond, which is love. Wait one second. Let me finish. Now it's starting to bounce no, 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 back. I haven't had enough. You're about to hear a little bit more. All right? So when Santana so elaborately pontificated that he, left, he lost his Big biological words. dad, he was blind, and he met his untimely death, he called me. And he said, we need you. They needed that missing ingredient, like arroz con pollo, arroz con habichuela. Me entiende? That's Spanish. You might want to learn Spanish because in the future you're going to have to communicate with your grandkids. Right? Kill that. I know very much about Spanish. And I know very much about you because I've done some research. Tony's covering his mouth. As great a star as you were, obviously you don't know who you're dealing with. I got news for you. I like this, my guys will be out here and you'll be flat. And that'll be it. That'll be all that Conan ever did. He made one time on AEW Dynamite. One time, one big entrance. And then it's over with because FTR 
will come down here and end the game. Well, let me just say one thing. When this is said and done, you'll be happy to know that Walmart is still hiring greeters. Also, remember one thing. That was, Proud and powerful. We're like scarecrows outstanding in our field. 5150, hasta la muerte y después. And since I knew you might try to do this, I got my boys waiting in the back. Come on out here. First of all, he should have let that that scarecrow line breathe a little bit more. Let me. That's the only thing I got to say. Is that like I don't, I don't think I don't think most people would have gotten it. Like you, <laughs> you are you are a hip hop uh, connoisseur. You, you are, are a bar smith yourself, sir. Right. So I I like a lot of what was done there, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that, there was the gamesmanship that happened. It's definitely an underrated line. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people would have caught it. Yeah, man. Like not not in that arena because you heard how certain stuff made them turn silent, and then when you start referencing stuff about Latin culture, they got back loud. Yeah, it's like oh, and and it, and it makes you forget that Tully Blanchard is actually from Texas. <laughs> yeah, then there's that. <laughs> and then Tony Schiavone's from like West Virginia. No, he's from Georgia. Nah, he's from West. He's originally from West Virginia. Oh yeah, yeah. He well, he's been living in Atlanta for forty years. Now that that part's true. He's been living in in Atlanta for mo- more of his adult life than he's he was living. Actually, in West probably Virginia, for but, all of his adult life. <laughs> right. He might be sixty. <laughs> that Man. part. Yo, that yeah, that, like, that, that when you a, saw him cover when you saw him cover his face, he was like, like, oh, none of y'all are comfortable with this conversation, huh? Yeah. This uh. That, that conversation, yeah, this is a word you're going to hear a lot today. That conversation got active real quick. Active. People are uncomfortable. <laughs> and if you ever. And that's okay. And I'm if, glad. And if you're ever too comfortable, guess what? It is room for you to not be. Right. That means you need to, move, <laughs> you need to make some progress because if, comf- if you're too comfortable, you're not progressing. There's a lot of smoke on the internet right now with AEW. I mean, that's positive smoke that we just heard, but. Chris, right, that's just good. That's good TV. <laughs> Chris Jericho, why too jaded? Like what? What happened to letting letting kayfabe be? Like what happened to letting letting it live? Did you get a platform and decide that now, like as opposed to you clapping back on social media, you use your platform to clap back clap back on those who have a higher social media presence than you do when it's unnecessary? It's free advertisement. Well, he, here's the thing. <laughs> here we here um, we go early. <laughs> what I what I can absolutely attest to is that as thing. we get <laughs> as we get older, we become a little more sensitive to certain things. We all do. You, you me, Chris Jericho, whoever. We get, there are things that we become more sensitive to, and we have different triggers as we get older. <laughs> so skin's pretty for us, our generations. Skin was pretty thick as we were coming up. Like stuff didn't pierce armor. And, you know, I heard Marcellus Wiley actually say this yesterday on Speak for Yourself. Shout out to him and Acho. It doesn't hit me until it actually hits me. You can say anything until it hits me. When it hits me, then there's a different set of circumstances. Apparently, Christopher has gotten to a level 
of elder statesman where he has a lot more triggers or his triggers are a lot more hair like <laughs> meaning incredibly thin and yeah, yeah, i mean like like you can you can blow on it and it will go ahead and set off the, set off the chain of events that leads to whatever happens pause but you are incredibly correct <laughs> damn <laughs> oh man but at, at, and for those of you who don't know what we're, we're referencing, don't, don't um, worry. I have, I have it right here. I'm about. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to start it. Um, so this is uh, Chris Jericho talking about the ever so crazy fall that he took at Blood and Guts. That um, we totally forgot about. It was out of our memory. It was out of the the loop of media. People had moved on because you had a whole nother match. Afterwards, the, the you had Stadium Stampede. Sta- after that. Stadium Stampede overshadowed the Blood and Guts match, and the only thing that came out of the Blood and Guts match was Chris Jericho with a dislocated elbow. That cring, that cringy entrance. Uh, well, that too. Quote: This is from Chris Jericho. The problem was when that happened. It was during a commercial break, and I knew it. I uh, I was tell, and I was tell him slow down. What the hell? Who wrote this? So I, I was tell him slow down. But it's hard to do that. So he eventually started climbing, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to be cl- uh, coming back from commercial break with me on being on top as well." So I'm just climbing up really slow, and I was looking at Aubrey, who's telling me, "You've got 30 seconds before we come back from break," and I knew that we had about 10 minutes left because I could see the clock. And I was like, "I'm just going to stand right here and just work the crowd." So when we come back from break, they'll all be chanting and cheering, and they'll be yelling for me as I climb up the cage. As Jer- Jericho is the king of working crowds during commercial breaks, as, as evidenced by the the uh, list of one thousand and four holds. Uh, Arm bar. That was a long time. <laughs> hey, that was a long time ago, though. Not only was it a long time ago, he had a long time to do that because commercial breaks were longer than uh, during that time frame. During that that segment, it was during the first hour of Nitro. All I'm saying though, it it's been a long time since Jordan's flu game. Yeah. There's oh boy yes you're absolutely right uh, that was about the same time too so as he's going through naturally they're going back and forth talking about you know finishes whatever um, and then all the other things that, that encompass that um, this is this is him, him coming back on the naysayers and I don't know who it was in particular, but there was a few. But there was somebody he's particularly cla- wanted to clap back at. Oh no, I do. So as soon as you finish that, I'll be able to give you the name. Okay. Um, I'm gonna start here. And for me, this is Chris Jericho. Quote Chris Jericho. Oh, there it is. Okay. I said I was like this. This is great. What a perfect finish for this. It took the wind completely out of the sails. Jericho noted. They just went completely silent and I just laid there until basically it took me out on a stretcher. And when they took me away on the stretcher, people started clapping like when someone gets hurt on the football field and they finally pick up the guy and take him off the field and everybody starts clapping. That's what happened. The people were believing and buying into it, and uh, as was I. And it was only later that I started hearing, oh, people thought the fall was on the crash pad and it didn't look great. And for me, I watched it back. I thought it looked amazing. And the thing that really what was really scary was that if you watch it back, I barely miss hitting my head on the on the lights on the back of the stage. I went so far back that I almost overshot everything. 
So once again, everybody in the business knows how dangerous this can be and how terrifying it, it is in the margin at just the margin of error uh, for uh, for areas so slim. There are some hardcore wrestling fans that were bagging on it, and that's fine. I mean, you have a right to bag on it out of the 1.3 million people that watched it. If 3,000 people didn't like it, that's a very small percentage. People just thought it was crazy, as did I. Once again, I've got very thick, a very thick skin, and it really doesn't bother me if people didn't like something because we move on to the next week. But once again, everybody has opinions, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate feedback. But for me... I always go back to what I what did I think about? How do I feel about how do I think about it? How do I feel about it? Uh, and when I watched it back, man, I was like, this is absolutely insane. It was terrifying. It's a, it's a little bit exhilarating, but it's one of those things that I hope that you enjoy because you'll never, ever see me do it again. And now and I'm glad that I turned it uh, turned out the way that it did. But oh, my gosh, I was really, really like I said. It was weighing on my conscience all day long. And when it finally happened, it was cool and it looked as great as it did. I wouldn't change anything. That boy is selling. Two months later, selling. Continue, though. I'm glad. I'm glad you said two months later because I was one. I was going to ask you how long ago did this happen? Well, no, no, no. The, the, The blood and guts happened two months ago. This was on the this was on the last episode of Talk is Jericho. But the quotes came. Right, so you're still talking about it two months later. Yep. Like you're talking about people. So you painted this picture as though 1.3 million people watched this, but maybe 3,000 had a problem with it. So two months later, you're still addressing the 3,000 versus the other part of the 1.3 million. <laughs> oh, that, that's that's the only thing. It's it's starting to take on a lot of the undertones of something else we we know very well. However. <laughs> <laughs> very much so like like damn near damn near mirror it's almost it's almost identical <laughs> but we we saw blood and guts we watched it we said what what necessarily uh went wrong it's not the fact that anybody went to any extra lengths to protect anyone because that's what you should do it's the fact that aw's camera team and pros and production team kind of missed the boat on how to capture that and make it look better than what it was which led to, you know, because you could see, if you can see inside the hat before the magician pulls the rabbit out, the trick's not as awe-inspiring. Because you see the ta- you see the compartment where the rabbit is under the table. <laughs> I mean, not for nothing. There are so many, um, so many things on the internet. I mean, hell, shouts out to WrestleBotch. There's so many things on the internet that, that are so cringeworthy that they they require um, commentary, even if it's amongst friends. Right. But there's no re- there's nothing that says you have to respond to anything because a you are a star and b you have a platform to do so. You'll be on TV the very next week doing something else, or and, the week after. And he was and, in in and a complete was. arm brace. In an arm arm bar. Arm bar. Spraying wine. And but, then, okay. And, and wait, and so the re- reason I even say that is there was a match with um, was it Xavier Woods and Bobby Lashley, or was it the Drew McIntyre Bobby Lashley Hell in a Cell match? I want to say it was the uh, the Drew Bobby uh, Hell in a Cell match where Drew got caught and Bobby basically gave him a sidewalk slam from 
the Bobby was inside, Drew was outside, and Drew went back first to the floor. And all you could see when the camera cut to Drew on the floor was somebody's hands pulling something back underneath the ring apron. Mm-hmm. Just like this past Monday when Ricochet does the ridiculous crossbody from the inside of the ring to John Morrison, who's sitting on the the um, on the barricade and almost killed himself doing this dumbass dive. Anyway, continue. Ah, ah, ah! If you pay close attention, you go back and watch Raw. They shot the crash pad. No, 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 no! I'm talking about the jump. He had to get there first. I mean, but we again. What we what have we been saying about Rico all this time? Again, so everybody who was bagging on Rico about his ability to fly, I think you guys owe him an apology because Io Shirai was on NXT this week and she did nothing that looked like what Rico did on Monday. Hmm. <laughs> so you can forward one, all your one, hate tweets one more time. <laughs> you can focus all your hate tweets at Broken Pencil BC on all social platforms, but you need to apologize to Ricochet immediately. <laughs> and also to your email, show at brokenpistolbc.com. <laughs> That's on what? Everything? Everything, every damn thing. <laughs> you BFN. Rico, Rico, you know what I'm saying? W-Y-B-A. Now Rico done proved to you that, okay, look, she can do what she can do. I can do what she can do, but nobody can do what I can do. Boy. But once once this stunt took place and it was a phenomenal it looked great but as soon as they go over the barricade to shoot John Morrison on the floor you can see the crash pad they landed on and pulled out of the way and there's nothing wrong with using crash pads cuz ultimately we don't want people to just fucking die on TV absolutely i don't i don't look you ain't got to prove nothing to me you do not have to land on concrete you don't have to go through any type of you don't have to do anything to your body that you don't want to to prove anything to me. I can be entertained with good creative. How about this? You don't have. How about I this? I don't need a death match. In the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, what was the one thing the NFL had for uh, what, what was really known for equipment wise? Leather helmets. Leather helmets, if you had a helmet at all. And scientists, uh, scientific studies have shown that based on how these helmets have been designed since they started coming with the uh, the fiberglass and the padding on the inside that the leather helmet was probably safer than the helmets that are out here now that are scientifically engineered for uh, for safety. Mm. Here's here's here, mm. here's a, a a thought in progression and evolution when it comes to sports and sports entertainment. If you were to suspend my disbelief, leave it on the fucking table. Put the crash pads all around the ring and in every place that's dangerous. So at least we know what we're getting. So that way, if somebody pulls it away, then it looks deadly right because at this point like you're never gonna see that spot again because we're about to have fans again so if you see that it's either gonna be into a group of plants that are sitting in the front row or you just won't see it at all because you can't sit there's no setting up a crash pad in that spot but i said all that to say it doesn't make the action any less spectacular it just means the production team dropped the ball in that case of course, we knew that there's no way John Morrison is going to do a basically do a flat back bump onto solid concrete mm. while catching a 215 pound man. Mm. And I'm being very generous calling Ricochet 215 pounds, <laughs> but don't worry about that part. To, Call to, him 180. To quote Jake Roberts, you kill him. 
you can't DDT a man on concrete, you'll kill him. So even if Ricochet is 180 <laughs> pounds, by the time he bounces off the top rope and launches himself at um, at John Morrison, physics says he weighs 215. Gravity says a whole lot more than that. Right. And then you're just going to fall backwards on the concrete. Like, no, Ricochet would have broken his elbow and John Morrison would have been in a vegetative state. And we've so seen we know a we've seen dome pieces, dome pieces split open like coconuts for, for, for far less on that on live television ricky steamboat bled all out his face and didn't hit the concrete nearly as hard but of course i say all that to say it's it's about the production now chris jericho why too jaded decided that and because there's another quote that goes with this and it goes as such i'm not even going to address the criticism for it that's a lie because you went on to address the criticism in the next sentences that follow. Basically, everything that I, I quoted earlier was him addressing the criticism. Facts. Um, I'm not even going to address the criticism for it. Was taking the bump off the top rope at the cage at Blood and Guts. Yeah, this is horrible. I don't. Who wrote this? <laughs> not you or me. <laughs> That's who. <laughs> My <laughs> these pins over here is goaded. <laughs> Wait, hold. <laughs> Hold on, let's see. Uh, where's this shit at? You know who didn't write this? You know hey, who didn't hey, write this? You, you know, know who, who didn't write this? <laughs> Bruh, that's, that's just disrespectful. <laughs> he, said, he says, it was terrifying because I've never done anything like that before. It's probably a true statement. It was not a crash pad that I fell on. There were cardboard boxes that were basically set up across the board. People that bagged on it can really fuck their ass because it was dangerous. Dog said that with all the vitriol, man. He really said that. Right. There's a couple of chicks in WWE who said some stuff and they should probably not have said that. They probably weren't trained any better. And in six months, they'll probably be asking us for a job anyways. And I'll remember that. So we'll leave it at that. You, you that's... So now it's not just the 3,000 hardcore indie fans. You took a shot at women, women in WWE, and the people that train them. Do you know who's training in WWE, in NXT right now? <laughs> the, you turn to your family. You turn to the clique. <laughs> you got the whole clique. You got... Um, you got Tensai, a.k.a. Uh, Albert, Matt, Matt Bloom. Yes, Matt Bloom. You got William Regal. You got Norman Smiley. You have uh, you had Sarah Del Rey there for a while. I think Scrap uh, is still going down there. Right. You got you got Scrap loan, learning, learning, loaning input. Uh, Samoa Joe is back. And that's you something please, please believe that he's giving something to that organization besides a, a TV character. And, and we'll go into that when we speak about Samoa Joe a little later in the show. But like all of these absolutely incredible wrestling minds. Then you have, you know, Scott Hall giving words here and there. Everybody in the clique. So Sean Waldman, who's highly regarded as like the maybe this in the tier of workers in that group. He may very well be two or three. And it's, what, ar it's an arguable point. And then you have Shawn Michaels there. So how are they not being trained better? One of one of the greatest in ring, arguably the greatest in ring performer of all time, but definitely arguably of our time, with the most underrated cruiserweight in the history of cruiserweights. Him and HBK and Flair have been regarded as one and one A when it comes to in ring performers, it, and it's merely on preference. And neither 
neither side would be wrong. But you say that and then you attack the women saying they're going to be looking for jobs in six months. And basically because you don't like their opinion or you don't like whatever joke they cracked about the bump you took. Now we're going to we're going to freeze them out from making a living. So the person that that this is specifically aimed at is Shotzi Blackheart. <laughs> because because Shotzi Blackheart on the night that this happened decided to tweet a photo of a person falling onto a mattress, basically a hotel mattress. You know how you do that um like they do the Econolize commercials and you're jumping into bed, right? And to show how soft the bed is, like the the feather pillows and everything just kind of smothers you in mm -hmm. like you're falling into bed type situation that's a picture the type of picture she posted it was funny like everything else not not egregious just funny just it's a one-off again this is like two months ago everybody had their say no one's still talking about blood and guts which should tell you a whole lot <laughs> there, there are parts of that match that are very good there are also parts of that match that are very bad yes but but either way no one's discussing it now because two weeks later you had stadium stampede you didn't let blood and guts sink in there was not enough breath left uh after blood and guts to really talk about how bad the match was or how good the match was because stadium stampede only thing you had to compare it what well, uh, compare it to was last year's stadium stampede right you're right back you went you came right back and bit some old school 90s wwe by shooting wine out of out of the top of a truck onto some people and then you went into stadium stampede so you didn't let your own product breathe if if it was that dangerous and that groundbreaking and it and it looked that good you would have let that breathe, right? Long-term storytelling. <laughs> Chris Jericho would have been off off TV to sell it for a couple of weeks, all of the above, but you didn't. And even so still, now, an, in, an injured, an obviously injured Chris Jericho had to be protected during a match where it should have been an all-out free-for-all to set a clear-cut standard bearer for what a faction should be and the world's newest super organization. And we just got one star made with another star being like, you know what? This is what your ass get in Sean Spears. And and not not to mention the fact that you did this air quote super spot off the top of the cage. And you weren't the most injured person that left there that night. Bruh. Santana got hit with a fork <laughs> in real life in the eye. <laughs> that man almost lost an eye and no one knows it if you don't read like outside of wrestling stuff if you don't if you don't deal with anything wrestling related outside of watching the television show you would never know that that man almost lost his eye but two months later we're still we're being no because we're not still doing it but now we are because you feel like someone hurt your feelings on the internet you're gonna point the finger at with, them with two quizzy or you can't wrestle and when you get fired, you can't work here either. <laughs> because you said something about the almighty. That's, a, that's some, not Bobby that's, Lashley either. That's some fuck ass shit when you think about it, man. You, you, it is. <laughs> you're, you're holding, some, you're, you're oh. holding an opinion based off of a, 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 a video 
over the head of someone who could potentially potentially we're talking we're not even talking about a reality we're talking about someone who could potentially end up at your organization that you're not even an executive at you ain't even signing checks but but you feel like you have the level of influence that if you tapped Kanos on the shoulder and said don't hire her she's not getting a job if if I was Kanos I would hire hire her out of spite if that time came up in six months but like that that literally in open air that is the shit that discrimination cases are built on stuff like that you just no. admit it to it no 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 right now he he's teetering on the on a harassment case before the before the uh the the uh, discrimination case discrimination is definitely on the table but you're telling somebody you're basically daring her to lose her job or hope that she gets released and try to come knocking on this door and in this day and age of protecting women and their their rights and their ability to do their job without criticism, that's some slimy shit to be doing on a podcast. For no reason, two months after it happened, you can't still be angry. Now, if he had done this like the following week, like, yeah, instead of going back to TV to not sell falling for off the top of a cage, if you had just been away from TV and recorded a podcast and said this a week later after falling off the cage, it would have made more sense. It wouldn't have been any better. It's still bad. It just makes you look that much more petty, not petty Messiah, but just petty. Like, you do you not have anything better to do? Mm hmm. And it's like, it takes on a certain tone that we're quite familiar with in this country. And it's like, mm, you really not helping your case for like <laughs> what goes on out here, bro. Not like, at all, dog. You not, not helping all. none. You not helping none of your image situation. Cause like, you have, you have an image crisis here now. And people in this, all jokes aside, people like consider him a Canadian because he may have been born there or maybe lived there. Which he he definitely lived there. He wasn't born there. He lived in Canada. But you're right. acting real stereotypical Canadian with this. Like, stop. I, I wasn't even going to say stereotypical Canadian. I was going to go to a different region of the world. But <laughs> even most of the Canadian, like, even most of the Canadians that I hear talk about wrestling, like, they don't do this. Nah, bro. Like they now, now they may call somebody that they worked with unsafe, or they may say, you know, I don't like this type of person, or this person looks unsafe. Like we've heard Bret Hart do that a couple of times. It's like it's fuck Goldberg and Seth Rollins is unsafe. <laughs> we've heard both. <laughs> but but again, like okay, the Seth Rollins thing is an opinion. The Goldberg thing comes from actual participation. I don't know if Shotzi Blackheart and Chris Jericho have ever met. I would highly, I would, I would and, and because of that, because the of only the way they probably would have might, might be in a grocery store in Orlando or Tampa. You feel me? So for you to hold this in your craw for two months and then shoot <laughs> this slug is like, come on, bro. Like, I, I really, is, there, there's, a, there's a term I really want to use, but that's for, that's more for trap almanac than is the BPBC. So, and I, and, and I'm gonna I, just refer to it as some slimy shit. That's yeah. some slimy that's, bullshit. That's yeah. some slimy shit. Yeah. And now I hope Shotzi Blackheart gets a full-fledged push in NXT. Bruh. <laughs> like, straight straight to the top. If if she if she messed around and got a uh a women's title match 
at a, at a Great American Bash to close the show out, and she's standing on top. God bless her. <laughs> well, they, they lost the number one contenders uh, match last night for the tag title, so they may not be on Great American Bash at all unless it's you know in some other situation. However, I didn't have a, a rooting interest one way or the other with Shotzi. I like I didn't, but now it's like okay, now I want to see her do well. Now, because I don't, I don't want to have the situation to see where we have to wonder, is she being blackballed from AEW? Who needs all the woman talent they can get their hands man, on? Man, man, man. When we, after we come back from our little mini break that we're about to have, uh, we'll need to talk about their their roster and the things that need to be done to improve it. That's because that's going to be a huge topic of our of our uh, of our fall discussions. For organizations, because people are beefing up their women's rosters, and WWE is treading really—they're—they're they're shaving a lot of fat. And there are some people who could benefit from some pickups. But if you can't—you can't continue to build a piece of an organization when you have key elements of those of those pieces missing in action. Not like missing because they're not there, missing because they're not being used. And they're not being signed. So it, that, that we'll talk about that in the coming weeks because we, we need to lay some things out. I, w- I would love it to be a uh, a tournament style show, but it ain't. it's so bad right now. It can't be. <sighs> the sigh, of, the sigh of disbelief. It's <laughs> a lot going on in these streets, bro. A whole I, lot. We try. We, we try to keep you guys informed, man. We try. We try to keep you entertained, keep you informed. We appreciate the pistol pushers out there holding it down. ICW, we see you. Uh, my guy, Big Nate, Nate Logic, we see you. You know. Wow, whole lot of chops on your head. You feel me? Uh, Petty Messiah is still part of the staff. He got one date left before we have to renegotiate this contract. So we, you know, is we, it was it one or is it two? Fuck it, it's two. You <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro, don't, don't do that. You got to respect that man's wishes. If he wants to be called Muhammad Ali, you call him Muhammad Ali. He, may, he might show up and do one minute and bounce. <laughs> and we got to pay that man. Because that's how the contract is said. He, how he got a better contract than, than the founders? We did that. We, we created that monster. We, got, we talked to his agent. That's and, right, and, we, and, we we know, and we know she listening too. Mother, Don't worry mother. Because when, when we start writing the show rider, we're going to make up for all them days we spend in the trenches. You dig? You feel me? <laughs> but yeah, Y2 Jaded is on some slimy shit right now. I'm, uh, you, starting to, you starting to resemble somebody else. Mm-hmm. So. I hope, hope Shotzi out here getting his money. What else we got, man? Um, speaking of Joe, we were, we were talking about Joe. Joe back out here. Uh, Joeing <laughs> his comeback season for Joe. You know, good good look on Joe coming back to NXT and and being the um, whether in the ring or in this checkbook, Joe's gonna kill you. Yeah, enforcer. Like, what do you think that bag is like? Because because there's an article Triple H. Um, was it Triple H or, or Joe that actually talked about that call? Joe talked about the call. So he, he's he's speaking about uh, what happened when he got released and. Um, he got a call from from Johnny Ace, aka John John Laurinaitis, uh, saying, "You know, you know, we think the world of you, uh, but we're gonna have to let you go." X Y Z. Joe said he took it pretty well. So a younger him might have not might have freaked out and not handled it as well. But he was like, uh, "Well, that, well, okay. let, let me let me stop real quick too. Not to be not not that we're trying to 
piss on anybody's uh, fire and not to say that we told you so because we're definitely not doing that in this instance. But we were playing two against the middle on an episode of this of this very show trying to guess um, what, what was going to happen with Joe. And we compared it to Daniel Bryan where he may be injured to the point to where he couldn't be cleared by WWE doctors, but it would be cleared by his doctors. So the release... Although it came as a surprise because it was the biggest name release that we had seen in quite some time mid-contract, we were actually happy because it meant that Joe could be on the world tour with Muhammad, my man, only to see him come back. And and to see him to see him released in the midst of one, him trying to get back healthy enough to return to the ring, but also being arguably the best commentator that WWE puts out on television every week. It's, it's him and Corey Graves. Yeah, and, like, it, and and easily the best color that we have seen since CM Punk. Feel what I'm saying. So, like, it made no sense for you to do this other than the fact you might have been wanting to get out from under whatever money you were paying him. However, Joe being the name that he is, having the equity that he has would have been able to command that same dollar from anywhere else. So the way the story goes is that he gets off the phone with uh, with John Laurinaitis and then he starts texting some people that, you know, he's close with or that he's just, you know, he's saying, he's basically giving his exit exit speech via text to all, his, all the homies. Apparently, one of those texts was the Triple H, to which Triple H responded, I'm in a meeting, hold on. <laughs> first of all triple h don't tell nobody to hold on <laughs> that's uh continue it, for real <laughs> continue so, though him responding to that text i'm in a meeting hold on is like the equivalent of the fuck <laughs> That's exactly Prof- what I heard. When I, that's exactly what I heard. It's the professional equivalent to the fuck. Who, wait, you, who released you? Basically, it's like, I'm in a meeting. Is like, give me enough time to find out who fired you and why, and I'll call you in a minute and fix this. Here's the thing. Exactly. So, <laughs> Trips calls Joe back and says, look, we're work. I, I don't know how this happened. Or, you know, he gave him sort of part of the fluff, but said, give me a couple days. I'm going to fix this. Basically saying, don't do don't don't pack your bags. Do not go. Don't take a trip to Nashville. Don't you go to Baltimore, Pittsburgh. (laughs) Sit. Basically, basically, you ain't going to make your 90 days. And you you thought was going to happen. You damn sure better not buy a ticket for Jacksonville. Don't do that. Yeah, you're not getting 90, you're not gonna, you're not gonna see the end of this 90 days before you this is not gonna happen. So calls him back in, it's like, I wanna basically it's not a it's not a talent, it's not just a talent deal. Now Joe is tied in on the fabric side where it's it's talent development. It's he's Joe has a seat at the table now. <laughs> Joe fuck around you can find the, the article and, and you can read what all it encompasses but he has a seat at the table now and he also has the opportunity to come back as a competitor at some point not to plug other podcasts but it was also uh, that in this this whole conversation that uh, Swap was talking about is on the 
Ryan Satin out of out of character podcast. Okay. So uh, yeah, that's um, that, that any anytime you there's certain talents that you just want to hear from because not every interview is a good one. Right. And Joe is one of those guys that over the years he's accumulated some great stories and. If you followed him from his TNA days, he went from basically not even going back to ROH. He went from basically not talking to being a hell of a mouthpiece. In fact, the Body Bag Award that is now known as the Brandalorian started with with a Samoa Joe promo. That should tell you something. Because of Samoa Joe, yes, avid avid hip hop listener. He's just an interesting guy. Shoe head like like a mug too. You feel what I'm saying? A sneaker head, a hip hop, uh, a hip hop participator. Uh, mixed martial artist. He doesn't look like every other sports entertainer you've ever seen. He doesn't talk like every other sports entertainer you've ever seen. He's the one member of of a Samoan heritage that isn't a part of the Samoan dynasty. There's there's, there's another that's another piece of the puzzle. He's the gold coin in the sea of gold coins. <laughs> like you know how rare that is. <laughs> like all these gold coins and you want this one and this one just happens to be named Samoa Joe right this is the one that didn't come in this pack man but yeah like for I like it for Joe because he gets he basically got to opt out of a situation and then opt back in with seemingly in a better position because now this isn't just a talent thing he's he's he has a seat at the table man and that's a different bag like you fill out different paperwork when you work in the corporate side of WWE. Like there's insurance and there's other stuff that comes with that that you don't fill out when you're just a talent. Mm. There's a different process in HR. <laughs> no doubt. Like you you actually have insurance benefits. <laughs> you feel me? Four one 401ks and things of that nature, stock options and things of that nature. Yeah, you're not writing off healthcare as an independent contractor. Like the smaller check take home is way bigger. I just want you to understand how how life is being lived out here, man. So, um, while we're out here talking, I'm gonna say, speaking of WWE employees, as I as I pull up the information on Kenise Mobley, yeah, there's that. Who's Kenise Mobley? You ask. Kenise Mobley. Is a non a non history historically uh, non relevant person to professional wrestling who came in to be a writer for WWE. She went on a podcast recently and basically sto- told the world what the process was for her and how everything uh, went, you know, behind behind the curtain behind at, at the meeting at meeting rooms and whatnot. She's in the news this week for a couple of reasons. One, which we just briefly touched on, which I'll let Suave go back to here in a second. But a fan, after the release, after she got released from her job, following the comments that Suave will be discussing here, here shortly, came out and said this, quote, how ignorant can you be? You get hired. <laughs> here we go with people writing shit again. This is why people shouldn't have keyboards. And this is the, this is the quote of the person Oof, who, who actually wrote this. So. How ignorant can you be? You get hired your work for one of the most respectable companies and AN. You admit to knowing shit about the product. Dumb bitch. Wait, they said that too? Yes. 
This is a quote. See, okay. Let me let me start by <clears throat> this has nothing to do with gender. No. I would I would almost have hoped that when you were explaining who Kenise Mobley was that you left gender tags out of it. Like make this whole thing gender fluid because I don't I don't want anybody thinking that this is an attack on a woman or a woman of color or any of that. So Kenise went on a podcast that's called Asian Not Asian and says um now, for those who don't know, she's uh, she has some comedy writing credits, not a lot. She even kind of refers to what she does as not a hobby, but it's a, something she's air quotes working on. She's been working on for eight years because she has a, a job with a nonprofit that she discussed. And then um, the stand up comedy, which is kind of on again, off again, that ha- and also has some writing credits, one of which being uh, some dude, Chris Gihard. Or some show he had. Chris Gethard. Never- yeah, Chris Gethard. He Chris- was um he was part of the <laughs> Vice um Pause because Jim Cornette wrote read it as Chris Githard. Because it's because <laughs> it's spelled Githard. It's uh, uh Pause. Dark Side of the Ring. He was on After Dark. He was the host of After Dark. He's also oh. for my for my HBO Max uh watchers. He's also one of the subjects of um, one of my favorite docu-dramas that's on there, uh, Class Action Park. He actually was an employee there. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, I I have not seen that. I need to to check that out. You must watch. But she's got writing credits for him, and there's one other... Oh, Tonight Show on Jimmy F- with Jimmy Fallon, which I, I late night talk shows are not my thing, so I haven't seen that in a while. I'll, I'll catch segments here and there. I'll see if a you know a WWE talent goes on there. I'll I'll see it after the fact, but I, it's not appointment television for me. Mm-hmm. But those are her credits, and she says, um, you know, she says she had been recently hired by WWE, but went on to to say she didn't really know who the people were. Like she, she said, um, Bobby Ashley. Yeah, Bobby. It's Bobby Ashley or Lashley. And then she was like, "Well, the group he had been running with for the last year was called the Hurt Business, or something." But they wear suits. It was, it was like as vague of description as you can get for an organization or for people within the organization, and saying do totally something with vague. it, shine, shine it up. Yeah, it's like me seeing a commercial on pick a product. Um. Uh, the perfect pillow. Right. Uh, me seeing a commercial about the perfect pillow and then trying to go work for a pillow company and using that commercial as my only reference. <laughs> Start talking about, well, I think they have some like space polymer technology in it and something like that. Don't they use memory foam? Mm-hmm. That's it. Basically. Yeah. That me trying basically doing that. Now, obviously, she doesn't think there's anything wrong with it because when she submitted her resume, like many of us have, <laughs> it <laughs> WWE thought this was perfect and they went ahead with the hiring process, regardless of how much product knowledge she did or didn't have. So you can't blame her for that. Thing is, like, like I said, <laughs> when you want to take out all the the... <laughs> the gender gender tags here's the thing any if any person okay me and you both spend a lot of money on tech 
Yes, unfortunately. So, be- so before um, retailer Fry's closed its doors here in our area, you would never want to go into Fry's, which is an electronic superstore, um, computer sales, things like that. You would never want to go into Fry's looking for computer components and talk to someone who couldn't recover a password. <laughs> it's a specialty store. It, it's a hundred percent a specialty store. Before, or before you mentioned that, it's pa- part of the reason why Fry's went out of business on the electronic side. But continue. Ding. Or I'll even I'll make it even simpler. You don't want to go into a shoe store. You don't want to go in a Foot Locker and talk to someone who doesn't even who doesn't know sneakers or barely like sneakers. They're just there because there's a check being cut. They're going to work. That's it. They're just going to work. They're not there. Th- there was a, there was a place for that person about 89, 90, 91. And that swiftly changed. That pivoted. And and I get it. You can you cannot know something, get on the job and be trained for it, and then eventually know it or come to love it. But the ideal situation is to hire someone with product knowledge so that the transition from non-employee to employee is as smooth as possible because you're writing for weekly live episodic television. I would assume you don't have a lot of time to get up to speed before you're going to be called on to contribute. How am I going to write something for someone I don't know? And I have no idea who they are or what they do. You ever seen Kindergarten Cop? Who is your daddy and what does he do? (laughs) You can't answer that question. (laughs) You don't know who the champion is. You don't know anything about him. How am I supposed to write for that person, be it comedy or anything else? So it's it's a condemnation of the hiring practices of WWE, but then it's like, you wanna blame her, but you can't, because they hired her anyway. And then to be oblivious about it enough to go talk about it on an outside podcast, which I don't know how we're landing WWE writers, because if that's the case, I, shit, I- Kenise, come on. <laughs> come come through here and talk to us and we ain't gonna put you on blast and i ain't gonna let you answer no questions that'll get you fired but here here's and what if- what's crazy is i'm sure she didn't even understand like because we we've tried to get in contact with wwe talent uh in front of and behind the camera for you know for as long as we've been doing the podcast and every time we get a response back it has to deal with the contract not allowing them to do podcasts that are not uh regulated or um, sanctioned by WWE, right? It's uh, it's almost like an NDA. So she she went out on a limb, and because all all articles related to this podcast say recently hired WWE writer, and but if you go to the internet now, you'll see recently fired WWE writer. And then I'm wondering how recently hired that is. If if she's been there long enough to know that the hurt business was a thing. I don't know how recent their recent is because the hurt business has been not a thing for how long? Couple of months now, right? At least a pay per view or oh, two pay per views. Did so they th- make it two or through the Royal Rumble? No, nah, it was uh, what was the uh, was what was the one after WrestleMania? WrestleMania uh, was it um, WrestleMania Backlash? Backlash was the last pay per view that they were relevant. Nah, her business was done before WrestleMania. 
Um, okay, because no, I'm sorry, you're right, because they were still they were still spatting. So, what? Yeah, what after after Mania? I'm sorry, before Mania, after Royal Rumble, what's that pay per view this year? It wasn't the Chamber, was it? Did they have a Chamber match this year? Yeah, like that. Jeez, bro, that's bad. Yeah, we had to go. Use we had to do our Googles, but. But that so we'll, we'll means, say March. We'll say March. I'll say she was signed in January. But even oh, I'm saying, but she was still around in March. But right. but still, but she was let go like within the last seven days because like or, or within the last week and a half, should I say? Because she's no longer employed there, following backlash from this podcast. And she has people. She says that people are emailing her every day for five days. She's waking up the messages about being stupid like you're hiding behind these keyboards like stop that shit like we we go out here like shout out to tony snow shouts out to teddy long swe fury has become our uh our wrestling home shouts out to lou gotti uh vip Gatti. wrestling dfw pro all, all pro wrestling like you know these these are places that are becoming our home shouts out to uh sir mo and um like sore uh, sore wrestling like sore mania was two was dope ricky blaine did his thing with uh or with primetime Dante Smiley as he went up against uh, uh, Austin Aries. Great match. I was there for that. Like, these are places that we're going to be at. Like, these, we're we not just talking this. You can see us. But here's the thing. <laughs> Once again, none of those places you just thing. named would hire me to write promos just because I can rap. Nah. And in fact, all of those places that, that we just named would not hire anybody for promos because they they're in the business of teaching you how to speak without being written for well then there's that <laughs> but again they would not hire me in any sort of creative creative they wouldn't hire me in any sort of creative vein just because i'm a creative in another industry um like rap and rap rap and wrestling are synonymous and they are very much akin to one another but in actual application, every wrestler can't do something with rap, and every rapper can't do something with wrestling. I don't. I don't. I'm, have I'm not so much passionate about the the writing aspect for professional wrestling as I am with with giving ideas. Um, if now, if there's a, a position for that, by all means, let's go all day long. On the writing side of like uh, telling a story that will be you know in, entertaining, uh, episodic. Along those lines, that's where you come in at. And that's something that I think that you would excel at. And if anybody is, is listening and wants to give it a shot, by all means, shoot, holler at them. Like, I really think that you're missing uh, missing a, a keen piece to your puzzle by not having Suave on your creative side. I, luckily, I, I have enough of a passion about both that I can do both. Like, there's the ideas on the, on the creative side. There's, like, writing the the angles and the and the storylines and the story arc and then there's writing actual dialogue writing a monologue because that's basically what you're doing when you're giving a talent you know whatever you're giving them those the in the triple h era of raw where the opening segment was 20 minutes of all talking those <laughs> monologues. yo how long did that go on i was just thinking about that there was there was a stretch for at oh, least five, five or six years where for 52 weeks we got the Every first 22 minutes was talk. was talk. It was talking to set up the rest of the night. They re they only just stopped doing that recently. 
where the first segment wasn't 20 minutes of talking and you know music interrupting the guy who was previously talking then another challenger shows up and then you end up with like a fatal four-way for the main event man like there's it's formula it's formulaic as fuck <laughs> Uh, I mean, <laughs> but, but yeah. I mean, but you have to have a you have to have a show format, and, yeah, and unless you, you unless you, you absolutely have, do. unless you have a, a barrage of bad ratings with Vince coming out and handing you a new sheet and ripping up yours uh, right before the show starts, the format's pretty much the same. And you can always right. tell when there's drama with the format when Vince does that because there's always those stories where Vince comes out and tears up your your run sheet for the night. The, the order, the run of service is always going to be the same. It's just the order of operations gets switched. We got a really slow week ahead of us. The uh, uh, the American Independence Day, and I throw that in high quotes, um, is uh, being celebrated this Sunday. So naturally, wrestling is only going to have one thing worthwhile watching, which is the Great American Bash. Tip, and this is typically this is goes with with any typical holiday where families are in abundance with one another. Ratings go down, and you try to you try to you try to pop a rating with something cool. And coming back off of a holiday weekend with uh, Great American Bash is a good way to do that. So we'll recap that next week. But before we go, let me run down the list of all the superstars that have been released this year. I want to play some Sarah McLaughlin right now, but uh, the way the way these YouTubes are set up. Um, Nah, but, we ain't taking no L for that one. Nah, but there's a lot of people that more people that just got released. So for all of them in no particular order, here's all everyone has gotten released this year. Lars Sullivan, Big Show, Steve Cutler, Andrade, Mojo Rowley, Wesley Blake, Bo Dallas, Kalisto, Tucker Knight, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Samoa Joe, who's back. Daniel, whoa, Daniel Bryan. That's because his contract expired. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not a release. Uh, Alexander yeah, Wolf, Ezra Judge, Skylar Story, Vanessa Bourne, Jessamine Duke, Velveteen Dream, Santana Garrett, Buddy Murphy, Lana, Braun Strowman. Buddy Murphy! Dra- Ooh, Braun pa- Strowman. Apparently, sleeping, apparently, he's sleeping in the gym. He's sleeping games right now. Like he, he, he's, he's snoring protein shakes. Uh, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, Matt Martell, Chase Parker, August Gray, Tony Nese, Aria Davari, Marina Shafir, Arturo Huas, interesting with Maria Sh- Marina Shafir and Arturo Huas, which we'll talk about those in a second. Tyler Breeze and Fandango, or Fandango, Kurt Stallion, Samir and Sunil Singh, Killian Dane, <laughs> and po- quite possibly the only motherfucker to get released twice from the same company and never make an impact either time that he was signed, Tino Sabatelli. <laughs> Oh, at any rate, Marina Shafir is uh, is interesting because outside of uh, Shayna Baszler, she's the last of the four horsewomen still currently signed to WWE. Arturo Huas, um, <sighs> MMA Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, uh, born Jiu- uh, Jiu- uh, Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Um, international star, international star, legit badass who came in his only shame, only his only claim to fame that meant anything since he'd been in the E was Raw Underground, which fizzled out after about six weeks. Yep, and he was earmarked for uh inclusion. Both in of them, Diamond Mine, yeah, both, both of them. 
we're, in we're, the Diamond Mine stable. Which currently is being headed by uh, Malcolm Bivens and includes a newly unshaven Roderick Strong. Right. Uh, he cut the hair off his head and let it grow on his face. <laughs> he looks homeless. And uh, Tyler Rust and um, I forget the name of the last uh, Japanese competitor. What's 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 the uh, we just said it. I'm, it that's, tells you how bad my mind is these days. Literally, we just diamond mine. We got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> right. Uh, diamond mine. Uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, Hideki Suzuki. Oh, sorry, I was sorry, I think it's Suzuki, rather. There you go. So, remember a couple of episodes ago, was at 120, we did Genghis Kanos? <laughs> right. Uh, apparently... <laughs> Apparently, the other Kanos is getting active. We ain't talking Nick about Tony fam. <laughs> Nick, Nick with the money. Nick Con out here getting active. What did he do this week? <laughs> what didn't he do this week? He's he's out here <laughs> having a having the fire sale of all fire sales. There's this meme that we've been sharing amongst ourselves. Where it's like it's a picture of Vince McMahon holding a cell phone, but it's like it's it says Nick Khan. Um, can I fire all these guys from Two Hundred Five Live and save about two two million bucks? Vince responds, "What the fuck is Two Hundred Five Live?" <laughs> Say no more, fam. Nick, Nick Khan responds, "Be right back." <laughs> and listen, Nick is not playing with y'all he's gutted he has gutted 205 live there are two two competitors that compete on 205 live that are still signed and they're going back now, and forth for the title every week <laughs> now, now mind you three three quarters of the nxt roster currently should be on 205 live but that's a different conversation nick khan is not playing with y'all meanwhile he he should be on TV right now because he got more heat than any heel in the company. As as I check uh, NewYorkStockExchange.com, looking at the fifty-two week trend for uh, WWE common stock, uh, mm-hmm. the estimated price over the last year has been fifty-nine dollars and sixty cents per share. It is currently selling at or trading at fifty-seven dollars and eighty-nine cents per share. Not Max, even two, right now. not even two dollars off the target of the of the fifty two week average price, which means Nick is doing his damn thing as a chief financial officer. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh yeah net profit over the last twelve months one hundred and forty nine point five million dollars. Price just went up. Price, price just went up. That's net profit. Gross profits three hundred and ninety point six million. Revenue growth uh, since the last quarterly filing is down 11%. I guarantee you it won't be for the next one. Revenue growth is down 11% from, from the last quarter. Not to, And this is not including all of the f- releases that's done happened in the last, since, since April 1st. Not to mention the traveling starts at the beginning actually no no this is a Q. Is, we're in q3 now right yeah so july starts q3 and there's that 
man, we'll revisit this in three months. We'll have Deshaun St. Julian and his financial advice on for that episode. <laughs> the market cap is $4.42 billion. And for those of you who don't know what the market cap is, a market cap is a common data point to determine the overall value of a company. It's calculated by multiplying the current share price by the total number of shares the company has issued and outstanding. So if everybody sold their stock right now, WWE would 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 have a net or a, a gross profit rather of four uh, four hundred and I'm sorry four billion four hundred twenty one million dollars. That part. And so, just think I mean, <laughs> that the people who are being let go are just small pieces to those puzzles. Man, somebody's oh somebody's Christmas bonus going to be looking mighty swollen. I think his last name's Khan. <laughs> Which one? Your answer is yes. Suave, have a safe trip to New Orleans. Come back uh, drunken and refreshed, and uh, hopefully hydrated too. Uh, big big shouts out to the wife of my family who is losing their matriarch as we speak. Uh, prayers and, and condolences to us and them. And uh, we get, get we'll go out here and then uh, handle handle this business the way that we know how. And as the the great Method Man, actually as the great Raekwon would say, or Ghostface, excuse me. Let's go ahead and walk these dogs and represent Wu Suave. Take us to the yes. house. Pencil pushers, heads up, pencils down. We the worst, <laughs> worst podcast ever. Hey, you see uh, you see Vince McMahon at uh, at the Dave Chappelle comedy show, Bruh Listen, for, hold on, man. Hold on, comedian. hold on, man. What's up with the hair? He got hip. He got Austin hipster hair. And he, he got DFW. I used to be in the hip hop scene, but I'm a grown white man now. Hair, bro. His kids <laughs> and grandkids ain't finna send him out here looking like just anything. And did he? And did he not have? Uh, give me some of that Top Chef Brown looking face. Boy, <laughs> he, he had that. I've been hot boxing with Dave. Look. <laughs> Dave, here, okay. Dave, here, Dave was like, I gave him a new part. <laughs> no, but here, here's the crazy, crazy part. Because like, for years, people have described Vince McMahon as a dude who doesn't go to the grocery store. He, you might only, he only leaves the house maybe to go get a haircut. He's a steak well done um, and uses a ton of ketchup. Yeah, stuff like that. Like he doesn't go see movies. He hasn't gone to see a movie in years. Hasn't missed a Monday. The- hasn't missed a Monday in forever. How in the fuck do you know who Dave Chappelle is? <laughs> Let alone, how the hell do you know who Donnell Anderson is to take a picture with Rollins. him? Rollins. Rollins. Donnell Rollins. Sorry. My, <laughs> my bad. Ashy Larry, if, for those yeah. not in the know. Uh, I'm like, how, how do you know these people? How do you know? Considering the content of a Dave Chappelle show. How did Vince McMahon end up there? Well, considering around the time frame that he dropped the M-bomb on Monday Night Raw, or was it a pay-per-view, to Booker T around John Cena. That was a pay-per-view. Do-rag era Vince McMahon. That's like 06, though. I I mean, Chappelle's show was still in syndication. That don't mean he was watching it. Haphazardly. We probably could have walked past somebody. I feel like one of these signees... Talk, somebody in there is giving him information because I don't feel like he he would have seen half baked at any point. Even though he if even if he does get half baked, I don't think he would have seen half baked. 
I mean, if he doesn't, I don't, if he doesn't watch movies, then you're absolutely right. If he doesn't go to movies, then you're absolutely right. Right. So I, I don't, I also don't think he would have seen the Chappelle show. Now, if this was Triple H in this picture, it would make total sense because he tends to have some working knowledge of just about everything, even though the overall umbrella of WWE is still not involved in touching hip hop culture and all that other stuff. I just, I wonder what went into making that happen. How did you end up here? And if that's the case, why aren't we signing some of those comedy writers to write actual good comedy for Monday and Friday? <laughs> Straight up. Oh man, Tony Snow just released his uh his uh because he's on tour. Uh you said Tony Snow and I thought Tony Storm. But now now I'm on the same page. All right, let's go. <laughs> Uh, July 2nd, Sherman, Texas, Red River Wrestling. Um, I'm only giving the wrestling dates, by the way. July 24th, Lubbock, Texas, SWE Fury. Listen, if you are listening to this to this podcast and you can make it to the July 24th show in Lubbock, make sure you call or, or if you know me, text me or, or call me. If you don't, please hit us on social media, uh, publicly or inbox or email showbrokenpistolbc.com. I got something for you. Um, but specifically the Lubbock show. August 6th, Sherman, Red River Wrestling. August 20th, Sherman, Takes Home a Pro. August 28th, and Irving, SWE Fury again. So, um, there's that. You seen that uh, that Vice documentary on China? Yeah, I, I have. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. The, the, the producers of that show are fucking idiots. Um, I mean, did, did you see who was involved? Yeah, like yeah, that, that was kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, man. Um, the the fact that you that you create something with a with seemingly a good motive, and you become an enabler, and literally watch this woman kill herself for the sake of you getting the footage, footage, footage you need. Piece of shit, and you deserve Please to lose man. it. And if anybody gets any money from this. I hope it's to go to charity to help people that suffered the same way that uh, that Johnny Lauer did. Bruh. That's Man. crazy. Insane. 